Conclusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Relax, because we're bringing you some weird and wonderful science right into your brain. This week we're doing something a little bit different. I'm your non-scientific host, Philippe Perez. On this edition, we'll be featuring the science of busting a move. But now, we're talking Frankenfish. In the studio with me is Victoria Bond, Mark West and Ian Wolfe. Victoria, tell us all about Frankenfish. All right, so you may or may not have heard that there's a little bit of a controversy currently going underway at the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. There's a company called Aqua Bounty that has produced a genetically modified salmon. And uh, people have dubbed this the Frankenfish. Now, what it does is it grows at about twice the rate as conventional salmon. And the CEO of Aquabounty, his name's Ron Stodish, says that the company's fish product is safe and environmentally sustainable, and it looks like the FDA is agreeing with him. So there might be a move quite soon to approve the first genetically modified animal. I'll give you a bit more of a background on this frankenfish, and maybe we can have a discussion. Genetic engineering is already widely used for crops, but the government has, until now, never considered allowing the consumption of modified animals. This could be a set quite a precedent. And although the potential benefits and profits are huge, many people have qualms about manipulating the genetic code of living creatures. Now, it's possible that if the salmon is approved by the FDA, consumers wouldn't even know that it's a modified fish, because in order to label something as genetically modified, it needs to be quite genetically different, so with spliced genes. And uh, the FDA is claiming that although it is genetically modified, it is essentially the same as an Atlantic salmon. So there would be no basis for labeling it any differently. Approval could open the door for a variety of other genetically engineered animals, such as pigs that are being developed in Canada, or cattle that could be resistant to the mad cow disease. And um, the science behind the salmon is they've, they've taken a gene from the Chinook salmon that allows the fish to produce their growth hormone all year long, as opposed to just in spurts, which is what the conventional salmon does. And that's why it's bigger. There's two real problems that people are outlining with the salmon. One is is it safe for humans to eat? So there's the risk that it could cause huge allergic reactions, especially because seafood is quite hyperallergenic as is. And then, of course, the salmon's effect on the environment. Should the salmon escape, it's more aggressive, and it would consume more food, and modern salmon species are already endangered, so it could cause a huge problem. The FDA has stated on the hearings on Monday that the fish shouldn't cause any allergies not found in conventional salmon, and that there's little chance that they could escape. It sounds like a Michael Crichton movie, doesn't it? <laughs> so the company itself, Aquabounty, has set in some safeguards to quell these concerns. The fish would be bred female and sterile, although you'd keep a small percentage that would be able to breed, which would be bred in confined pools where the potential for escape is low. In its environmental analysis of the fish released earlier this month, the FDA agreed with the company that there are enough safeguards in place. Now, the company is also arguing that the fish do not need to be labeled as genetically engineered. Stodish said... The label could even be misleading because it implies a difference that does not exist. So what do you guys think about this uh, frankenfish phenomenon? 
Well, I find it really interesting. It's not the first time we've modified animals by a long shot, is it? It's genetically modified animals. It's just the first time we're eating them, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> we've, we've even genetically modified animals throughout prehistory. I mean, horses were not the size that they're now. Well, this, this is exactly what I'm thinking. What's, what's really, it, apart from the fact it skips a bunch of generations by doing it in one hit, but what's really the difference between making this sort of fish and, and a cow or a it's, pig? or a, I mean, they, they don't look like their ancestor. They've been highly genetically engineered, just has taken a long time of, of selection. Humans coming in and selecting the, the meatiest cows or the fluffiest sheep coming together. It's just taken a long time. What's the difference, really? I mean, uh, I I'm I don't like terms like Frankenfish because I think it gives people the wrong impression. I think genetically engineered foods could, especially crops, could literally do wonders for the world. If you can grow crops in Africa where it's a desert at the moment, that'd be save a lot of people from starvation. So, what, what's what's really the danger? I mean, and <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's just it's just a salmon with 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 uh, well, elephantitis or something like it, it's it's <laughs> I think what it boils down to is I, I don't think the real issue or maybe it is maybe our uh, listeners can weigh in with their opinions as well but I don't know that the real issue is necessarily safety for human consumption I think it boils down to the ethics of creating this modified more aggressive unnatural quote-unquote animal which could potentially destroy ecosystems so you're weighing in the benefit for human consumption with potential danger to environment and ecosystem. But if we could just do this on our own, select some big fish and breed them, it might take longer. What's the difference? Well, there's a couple of differences. One is that some of the genetically modified fish actually do have genes from other fish or even other organisms entirely. So it's not just souped-up fish. It's souped-up fish with genes that would never normally come their way by evolution. And part of the problem is that salmon stocks are already fragile, as Victoria said, if these fish did escape and bred with their wild cousins, then they might have a temporary advantage because of the aggression, and the genes would spread really far. But in the long term, they're not as fit. They're made to be not as fit so that they would just die off. But that becomes a really big problem if the genes spread. Then they all die off and they all crash. Okay. I don't think it's the case that there is a completely artificial gene in these fish, though. I think the no. gene that they've, that they've included is a salmon gene. There's a whole list of them in New Scientist, and oh, really? some of them are salmon genes and some of them are not, because it's not just this one case. There's all the other cases around the world waiting on this one case to be right. Right, right. But for, for the actual Aquabanti salmon, They're being it's, it's definitely set a precedent, which, yes. is, which is a worry. Another thing that there isn't this tradition in fisheries for, for breeding and for selecting fisheries. I mean, it, it tends to just be taking from the environment that I know of. I think it's much more... Um, it's a much easier extension to go from selecting breeds of cattle to be bigger and meatier and better milk producers, as you said. But there hasn't really been that trend in, in fisheries that I know. No, it's a lot harder to farm fish and to breed them over generations than it is to farm land animals. Fish just aren't as suited to it as the animals we traditionally farm on land. Most land animals are not suited to it. We just happen to have found the right ones from the Fertile Crescent. Yeah. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. We've made them all sterile females. They're all on an island. It's all fine, guys. Nothing could possibly go wrong because nothing ever goes wrong. Nature will find a way. Isn't that the thing? <laughs> certainly is Hollywood coming to reality in a way. On that kind of tangent, it certainly is a bit of a big step for evolution, the way it's, it, it's been evolved. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It, it hasn't been evolved. It's been artificially selected. There's no natural selection. So as Ian was saying, mm. should they escape, they haven't really 
pass the test, you know, the, the natural selection test, they could spread, and then there's just no more variation in the wild population. And that's basically a doomsday scenario for any population. Do you think in around about 100 years' time, though, they could see something like this and, and reflect on it as to and, and see whether or not it was a bad or a good decision for our environment? And some people may see some benefits from it. I, I can see that. You could imagine we could breed big fish now, uh, and if we isolated them, it would keep the natural stocks high because we're not fishing them anymore. I mean, this is the, the, our, our possible future, for sure. We actually create our own food and keep it separate, and that keeps the natural population uh, high because it's not, not being overfished. And overfishing is a massive problem. So the more farming, kind of the better in a way. One of the things to keep in mind is that one of the countries that's looking very keenly at all this is China. Now, you might think, why should China care about regulation in the US? Now, China has very little environmental regulation, which is why they're so vastly overpolluted. But at the moment, Chinese regulation stops some of the genetic engineering of fish stocks that some of the companies they want to do, which do involve foreign genes from completely different species. And if this goes through, there's a good chance the Chinese government will agree. Now, if you think about what the Chinese government allows and doesn't allow, the fact that the Chinese government thinks this is a problem might give people pause for thought. Perhaps we could weigh in at a poll on our Facebook page? Facebook.com slash Diffusion Radio. We'll put up a poll. Should we allow genetic modification of salmon to turn on their growth hormones to make them four times as big? <laughs> Facebook.com slash Diffusion Radio. You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio. Our email address is diffusion at 2 We're broadcasting in the studios of 2 in Sydney and brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We're also available over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Ian Wolfe is waltzing in this week and telling us how to bust a move with the science of dance moves to attract the ladies. A girl starts walking, guys start gawking, sits down next to you and starts talking, says she want to dance because she likes to groove, so come on fat so and just bust the move. So the key moves that make men attractive to women have been discovered by psychologists at Northumbria University. Now listen closely guys, here's the gold. The movements that women used to distinguish between a sexually attractive and an unattractive male when they were dancing was the size of movement of the neck, trunk, left shoulder and wrist, the variability of movement size of the neck, trunk and left wrist, and the speed of movement of the right knee. Did you get that? There will be a video of the good dancer and the bad dancer on www.diffusionradio.com. The researchers at Northumbria School of Life Sciences filmed 19 male volunteers, aged 18 to 35, with a 3D camera system as they danced to a basic rhythm. Their real-life movements were mapped onto a featureless, white, gender-neutral, humanoid character or avatar so that 35 heterosexual women could rate their dance moves without being prejudiced by each male's individual level of physical attractiveness. The results showed that eight movement variables made the difference between a good and a bad dancer. It was the size of the movement of the neck, trunk, left shoulder and wrist, the variability, so how much difference there is in the movement size of the neck, trunk and left wrist, and the speed of movement of the right knee. Female perceptions of good dance quality were influenced mostly by large and varied movements involving the neck and trunk. Dr Neve believes that such dance movements may form honest signals of a man's reproductive quality, so it's all about evolution. 
there'll be further research. This was published in Biology Letters, a publication of Britain's Royal Society, and paid for by the German Research Foundation. This could open up a whole new business for dance instructors. I visited hypnotherapist Melinda Hall-King and polymath Matthew Hall in Melbourne, and we discussed the science. What do you think's going on? It's all about being engaged and having the uh, confidence and self... Oh, there you go. So it's a bit of self-confidence. So confidence is important. Oh, exactly. You know, if you're going to do anything, do it well. Yes. Uh, It doesn't mean do it... It doesn't mean everybody's got to be the most amazing hip-hop dancer in the world, but enjoy what you're doing. Love who you are. That's hmm. that's mostly what we're You don't have to be John Travolta. Yeah. But if you think back to his classic dance moves... They're all open. They're all open. Now, while he's a superb dancer, this is only about standing out on the dance floor as someone that you want the ladies to be looking at. So is it about being showy or is it about communicating with body language? Little from column A, little from column B. Communicating with body language uh, in a more positive frame is being showy. Although, as, as I've, I've said before, having the, I've been to dance floors and they're a bit frightening people who are just, you know, dead like a whirling dervish and you think they're going to cut your head off. Um, so not like... <laughs> there is such a thing as being too showy. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can certainly be too showy yes. uh, and that can turn people off. But this isn't about that. This is just about just striking a body position using these simple elements of body language to present a more open posture. So, so when you say open... By open, I mean literally open. I mean, you can you can feel this for yourself if you're sitting in a chair. Sit in a chair, bow your head down, have your arms in your lap, and you will feel very closed. Not just closed, but like down. Down. Oh, exactly right. Absolutely. You bring your whole demeanor down, and you're not inviting anybody to want to talk to you. I mean, this is how most people sit on public transport. That's right? so right. I'm sitting here in this defensive position. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to interact. So... If you're acting like that on the dance floor, hello, you're going to get the same result, right? Yes. So by comparison now, just lean back in your chair, hold your arms out at least at shoulder height, if not higher, throw your head back a little bit, Take and a nice you deep feel a lot more open. And you are presenting very open. Even body language terms, you know, here I am, I'm open, look at me. It's a peacock thing. Feel Come and open. get me. <laughs> exactly. It's coming to me. That's yeah, what this lady. is all about. <laughs> Right, and so we're not saying you have to be the best dancer, but you just have to present this open posture. Hmm. That's very helpful. That's a really, I think that's a major element of what's going on here. And the movement of the right knee? That's inexplicable, but go with the data. Okay, so... <laughs> I disagree with that. I disagree with that. The whole right knee, left wrist thing, it's, uh, it's creativity and cross-body. Okay, right knee, arguably, uh, you know, left brain, uh, so... Uh, left side of the of the brain is looking after the right side of the body. Ooh. So the right knee could be, you know, depending on, on how rhythmic it is or whatever, you're looking for somebody who could be um, uh, strong, dependable, that sort of thing. Well, Understandably, I'm I mean, reading into it, but, you know. On, on the broad population, we're talking about women being more right-brained and men being more left-brained. Exactly right. So that fast movement of the right knee is indicating a more dominant left brain. Mm. So it's simply a more dominant, you know, ex- uh, Overtly male characteristic. More male. Yeah, more more male or uh, more stronger, bigger, stronger, faster, better, whatever you're after. Um, And the left wrist, of course, would be something along the lines of creativity, especially if in their moves they're crossing the the centre line of the body. So um, 
I don't know if you know what I mean by that. <laughs> the centre line being... Well, um, draw a line, you know, from the tip, from down, your, down the middle of your head, down your nose, across your lips, you know, right down the centre of your chest to your belly button and straight down to the floor. Just that literally centre line of your body. Yeah, yeah. And so with your limbs crossing over from side to side, it's just showing a better coordination, a better interconnection between the left and right brain. It is also developmentally because I've been working, doing um, lots of developmental stuff um, for children specifically, but you know, we were all children once, is it's the more crossing of uh, over the body, the more your left brain, right brain, uh, continuity means a more well-rounded person. Ah, and maybe their corpus callosum is just communicating really well. Exactly sure. right, and that's exactly what we're, what we're looking for. In, um, I, I think we're touching on, on other things that we've known for a long time. Um, playing musical instruments is all about coordinating left and right side of the body. Yes. Uh, learning to juggle is all about coordinating the left and, and right sides and getting those things to work together. And we know that those things vastly improve your um, overall performance. Oh, intellectually as well, in education. Oh, in, yeah, um, in all sorts of ways. So this is just another sign that you're looking at a person who is more advanced on you know, on the developmental scale. Yeah, which yeah. is exactly what, what uh, the female is after. Uh, you know, fundamentally, this is selection. You know, this is Darwinian selection at work, I suppose. Darwinian, but evolutionary selection. Evolutionary you know. selection, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's our version of the leery peacock feathers. Yes. Every species has their own, you know, whatever it is, something that develops mm. to be showy and to catch that first bit of attention. And, yeah, it's, it's the person who's got more coordination simply because... They're more open, they're up, their chin's up, their chest's out, they're, they're willing to move and they're crossing the centre line, which gives you more of an idea that this is somebody who can think outside the square and perhaps be able to cope with the creativity of the female mind. Right, right. great point. Yeah, mm. being able to cope with it because, frankly, you know, <laughs> some, some, um, some of the, the more um, blokey blokes just they have no idea how to talk to women or to, to look after them. So. so what sort of dances do you think would incorporate the moves, the moves that women think are mm. make a good dancer? Whenever you go to a party or something like that, what are the moves that everybody dances that everyone gets up for? They get up for the bus stop, they get up for uh, Nutbush. <laughs> Maybe back in our day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose we're still throwing back to the past now, but the Macarena is the, yeah. the, the newest one that we know of. That's a good point, It's yeah. exactly the same thing. It's, it's left, right, it's shaking, it's moving across your body. It, mm. It's Yeah, and it, look, I think this explains the longevity of dancers like that, mm. um, the phenomenon of line dancing and, and the reason that the Nutbush or the bus stop just keep coming back at parties. And, and people love to get up and join in because they're, you know, in many ways, they're safe dancers that everybody's doing together, but of course. they're attractive because they're utilising a lot of these techniques. Mm. So, so that's two. If you think about those sort of dancers, I don't know, are there any other, you know, all-time classic party favourites? I'm not sure the time walk counts, but it probably does a bit. <laughs> well, it does for some. It does for some. There's a lot of movement when uh, when you've got, uh, so uh, this is old ones, but meatloaf's batter to hell. There's a lot of moving when you're not... You know, not preordained, but you know, there's a lot of movement going on in those songs. I, I guess all the tr all the traditional dance styles are, are exaggerating this to the extreme, but we're not advocating that you necessarily have to be a, a, an excellent ballroom dancer or ballet dancer or, or anything. But all of those styles will also uh, have just taken this idea mm -hmm. and and refined it. 
But that's that's what interests me is that this is very closely focused on dancing on your own. Yeah, exactly right. Now, in a partner dance, you generally don't move your arms so much, your right knee necessarily even so much, or your upper torso. Because if you're doing a ballroom dance or a Latin dance and you're connected with a partner, your arms will move with, with their arms or even just mm. stay in frame for a ballroom dance. Okay, yes. Maybe it's just a completely different circumstance when you're in physical contact. Well, I think it is. So that makes an enormous difference. What we're talking about here is attracting a person of the appropriate gender. Different part of the process. Yes, you're you're talking about dances where you've already got one. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it's more we, about, uh, about working together in unison. Yeah. So being able to be two parts of the same whole. Because once you've, you've come into uh, a partnership, you've yes. really got to be a partner in all ways. I mean, if you're doing the, uh, the, the dance moves... Ginger Rogers had to step backwards. You know, she had to do everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards on high heels. Mm. It's a totally teamwork when you get to that, when you get to ballroom and so on, if that's what you're... Yeah, that's but, but quite a different, different situation. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's less... From where we started. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which is, uh, you know, the, the dance moves that might attract some attention on the dance floor. Yeah, from, from male, from... Uh, uh, attract the, the female. Yes. In the, in the beginning of the courtship. Yes. Ritual. Yes, because I think Desmond Morris had like a, a, a twelve-step ladder of of basically uh, of human sexual behaviour, mm. and the first one is eye to body, mm-hmm. and then eye to eye, and then speaking yeah, mm-hmm. down to three levels. And I guess this takes care of at least number one, which might be ignored by a lot of guys. Mm. Well, exactly right. I mean, I don't know because you're both men. Um, I've been onto the dance floor, and it's all women dancing and men standing around the outside looking. There is nothing more off-putting than being stared at ceaselessly. I mean, come in and, and join in. Some guys who will not, who will come in and join in do the closed-in move, and they'll but they'll and they'll try and just elbow themselves in, uh, and they'll try and cut one of the girls off to just directly dance with them. That's a no-no. That's a, that's a get the hell out of my space. I'm here with my girlfriends. Trying to separate the weakest from the herd. Yeah, something like that. That's, you know. <laughs> Not a good strategy. No, no, but, um, but you know, it happens. <laughs> it happens every time. And because they've had a few drinks, they're, um, they're full of Dutch courage and, um, and yep. sometimes get quite offended when you don't want to dance with them. Cause... You might feel predatory, but we're actually tribal creatures. You know, we, we want to be in groups. We don't want to be... Um... Cut off from the herd like that. Not at this early stage, anyway. No, well, that's the thing. So it's the wrong time to be dominant. Yes, that's exactly right. It's the time to. It's the look at me time. It's a time to attract, exactly. rather than to pursue. Mm-hmm. Be passively dominant. And then when you have attracted, perhaps then mm. pursue when you see that you've attracted. Or that's that, right. Yes. Because you know, I've, I've gone out with uh, groups of girls when, uh, and there's always an agreement that um, if they if the girls see someone, they'll they'll go and they'll might. We'll go over near them and they'll sort of check each other out and that would be fine. But we're always watching out for them. And so as soon as there's the, I want I want to get out of here, then it's like an amoeba. We'll go and we'll just drag her back out. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's what One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Is it going to be enough for men who need to improve to just look up the bus stop and the nut bush? Or is there something they have they can do in their heads to naturally yeah, it's tap more... into this primal thing? Because obviously, if women are looking for it, mm-hmm. then it's somewhere in in men's brains as well. Yes, it is. It'll be addled by alcohol. If you need, if honestly, if you need a drink first, 
then you're a sucker <laughs> because it's uh, it's about liking who you are and being comfortable in who you are hmm. and if you're not yes then then you know women are much less likely to be interested in you frankly because they trust your judgment that's that right. if you think yep. you're not that good then you might yes, be right that's right you might be right so it might take some practice but just you know get out there a little bit practice you know be a bit more open you just got to push yourself a little bit in that way mm. maybe even dance at home sometimes on your own with some of these types of moves oh so yeah that you're not uncomfortable and not used to being on the dance floor when you go out exactly now guys don't do that the way that girls practice just having dance. crank up the music and cut loose for a little bit yes and, yeah, and see what comes out sure the the whole the whole dancing by yourself yeah i mean the girls do that because frankly it's just fun you know the endorphin rush you get um from wriggling around and dancing and, and being a little bit crazy is freeing and it makes you feel good about yourself and so just mm-hmm. do it <laughs> and if you really really need some help from the beginning i suppose you want to get into the dance dance games <laughs> do they have the upper torso movements? Um, they actually do on the screen. On the screen, really? It's yes. not part of the game, but, you know, yeah, take some lead from that. Mm. You know, hey, use whatever you got. Yeah, Dance Dance Revolution totally works. A lot of fun. Yeah. There you go, some tips from people who know. Just bust the and that's it from us in this edition of Diffusion. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or any suggestions about how this non-scientist can sound more sciencey without actually knowing anything, then you can hit us up on diffusion at 2SER.com. You can also contact us on that email address if you'd like to broadcast a story on this program. Don't forget to also hit us up on our poll regarding Frankenfish. You can find that on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash diffusion science radio. You can also subscribe to our podcasts via our website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. This week, contributing to the program were Mark West, Ian Wolfe, Victoria Bond, and this non-idiotic scientist, Philippe Perez. Diffusion has been produced by Ian Wolfe in the studios of 2SCR Sydney. Diffusion is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. I'm Philippe Perez. It's been great hosting this week. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.